It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone. It's Ron Johnson. This is the Ron Johnson Show. I'm excited about today's show. We got quarterback Kyle Sloter coming up, so stick around for that. And, of course, we got to talk about the Vikings. Did Kirk Cousins do enough, or did the Vikings, or sorry, did the Lions screw this one up? Coming up next on the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One-of-a-kind opinions, big-name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. This is the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. I'm excited today, Monday morning. Not because the Vikings won. No, the Gophers are number 21 in the nation. They are the 21st team. I still think that's too low. It's just my opinion. They completely destroyed Michigan State. Michigan State was supposed to be a test. It wasn't a test. It was like they gave us the answer to the test and we knew it. It was like Herm Edwards' staff was on Michigan State sideline giving us their intel. But hey, we'll talk about that later this week. But today... We got to talk about the Vikings. Why? Because we got Kyle Sloter coming up. Later in the week, we will have Mike Lehan. So we'll get into some Gophers talk then. Come check us out Wednesday. I think we'll have Mike Lehan on. But today we got Kyle Sloter. Monday morning quarterback. He's going to tell us some of his favorite memories with Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer. But as we jump into this game, I don't know why, but I'm from Detroit. The Lions always find a way to lose games. They find a way to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. I've never seen a team do it more than them. But first, before we jump into this Lions-Vikings game, make sure you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota for endless Vikings talk during the football season. Not only can you find us on YouTube or your favorite podcasting platform, but we are now on Roku and Amazon Fire with the all-new Locked On Sports Minnesota app. Check it out for all your favorite shows. Well, as we jump into today's show, I got to bring my producer, Sam Ekstrom, into the show. And Sam, always good to see you on a Sunday. Even better yes. to see you on a Monday after a Vikings victory because everybody in the town is happy. Um, it's a win that on Vikings fan line, I was surprised. A lot of people were still like in shock and awe of like, well, is this team really like, what, what, what is this team? What is this team? And I'll throw some stats out there. Yeah. Vikings converted 30 first downs. So that means they dominated on third down, right? <laughs> no. No, not even close. They were two for nine on third down. That is abysmal. You cannot be two for nine on third down and think you're going to beat some of these great teams. Now, first and second down, though, we talked about this. I said they had to get better on first and second down like they did against the Packers. Well, they did it. Almost 20-plus first downs on first or second down. I think like 25 first downs. I have to go back and see how many fourth downs they converted, but that's a lot of first downs. When you only converted two on third down and you ended up with 30? Your first and second down is very efficient, and they did just enough. Now, some of the things the Lions did, like holding and grabbing Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, I feel like Dan Campbell told their cornerbacks, just do it. 50-50 chance you get the call. If you, if you don't get the call, we win that. If you get the call, hey, they were going to beat you anyway because a lot of those routes looked like these guys were open, and then they were getting grabbed, and they could not get back to the ball, and the referees just were not thinking of making that call. They did call some illegal contacts. They did call some pass interference, but not enough. I think in their mind, they're like, we can't just keep throwing this flag. Yeah, you can. It's like playing pickup basketball. Game point, dudes just foul, 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 and people eventually just give up and stop calling it. That's what they did. They warmed down like a pickup basketball team. They said, you know what? We're going to wear these refs out. 
they're going to get sick of throwing flags on these DBs. And they did. In crucial moments when it should have been a flag, the ref swallowed the flags and the whistles and said, eh, just let them play. They're both pushing. They're both shoving. But the difference is you can't grab a guy and stop him from going back to the ball. Adam Thielen got grabbed. Justin Jefferson got held. But the Lions still found a way. Dan Campbell, I don't know why, had been going for it all day on fourth down. Decides to kick a long field goal. Misses. I don't know why they did that. And then Kirk Cousins throws an absolute dagger to K.J. Osborne to win the game. And he got Mike Hughes, former Vikings cornerback. Was this all a part of the Minnesota, like, Thanos of things? You know, you let go of a couple things. You let go of Mike Hughes, knowing he's going to end up on the Lions, knowing that you're going to go against him in this last play. So, so Minnesota of us to think that. But no, Mike Hughes just got put in a bind. They were all screaming, watch Justin Jefferson, watch Adam Thielen. And they're human. When you see Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen break, you hesitate for a second to see where they're breaking. And in that moment, K.J. Osborne had got, a, got even. And we call it, if you're even, you're leaving. And he was even. And then Kirk Cousins just threw an absolute dime. And the Lions froze. K.J. Osborne, thank God, caught it. That's all she wrote. And they found a way to win. But Sam, what I take away from this game is the defense still did a decent job on third down as well, but they gave up too many fourth downs. The Lions only converted 23 first downs. Mm -hmm. I think they were three for 16 on third down. Uh, so the, yeah. the Vikings defense did a decent job on third down, but Dan Campbell was a gambling fool on fourth and got him. But what do you think about this game? I mean, the Vikings have now had a wonderful win, a terrible loss, and now a win where you don't really know how to feel about it because they really didn't play that good of a football game for three and a half quarters. But sometimes it's about who finishes the game better. And how many of these games did the Vikings lose last year, Ron? I think we assumed that going into this year, Minnesota would, would be able to flip some of those coin flips at the end. And this is a great sign that they did flip the outcome and they got a win when maybe they didn't deserve it. You got to steal a couple in the course of a season if you want to be a playoff team. And the Vikings stole one in this game. The Campbell decision was mind-boggling at the end. And I've never seen a coach fall on the sword after a game the way Campbell did in the press conference. He owned it over and over and said he regretted it and how he was sick about it. Um, and I'm not surprised. It, it, the, of the three outcomes there, punting, going for it, or kicking the field goal, Kicking a field goal should have been last in, in, in the ranking of those outcomes every single time. Um, Vikings inherited the ball around the 40-yard line. They only had like 30 yards to gain just to get in field goal range, if that. Um, and then, of course, they go down, they score the touchdown, and they win the game. Um, and again, you know, kind of dual uh, views on this. Kirk Cousins, brilliant in the clutch. Not very good the rest of the game. So I think you, you have to look at this game with a grain of salt and say there's a lot to fix. And O'Connell said that to the team in the locker room. I saw that video. Um, but sometimes when you don't play your best and you still get a win, you can feel pretty good about that. That's something to build on. Vikings scored 14 straight in the fourth quarter, and the Lions scored zero. The probability, and somebody, we did this on the Vikings fan line, Sam, the Vikings have come back down 14 or more points in their entire history, how many games do you think? In their entire history of the organization, down 14 to come back and win, how many times, or more, how many times do you think has happened in their history? I mean, I can only think of a few in, uh, in, in recent years. I'm going to guess 11. Close. 11 times. 
very far off though. But no, close, 19, which is not a lot though. When you think about this entire organization way back to the 60s, only 19 times have they come back and won down 14. And Kirk Cousins got it done. He put up 14 in the fourth, and that's all they needed. Like, that's that's what they needed, Kirk Cousins, at that moment. Because everybody's like, oh, well, Kirk Cousins, was, like, I mean, you just said it. He wasn't that good at this point. And he he made some bad throws. And, and I questioned some of the play call. And I questioned uh, what coach was thinking here and there. And I questioned this. And I questioned that. Very questionable. But at the end of the day, it's about winning. And what happens when you win. And, I, and tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about the Lions. Because I love to go to the – because I'm, I'm a Detroit guy. So I love to look at the Lions writers and I love to look at the Detroit media and what they think of Dan Campbell because I was getting positive vibes. I mean, even though the Eagles lost 38 to 5, 38 to 35, Lions fans were excited. Like they were excited about this team. They were excited about what was going on. Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that now the Vikings have a chance to go beat a Saints team that looks very beat up. Their quarterbacks hurt, their running backs bruised up. And they're going to go, even though James Winston played, he's hurt. So you can scare him off his spot. So it's going to be a fun – I'm not looking forward to waking up early at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. to do a pregame show because they play at 8.30. But, hey, it is what it is. I'm a little bit annoyed. My daughter has state softball this weekend, too, and I got homecoming for the Gophers. It's just my schedule does not work out well this fall. It just seems like everything is falling on the days I need off. You're a busy man. Um, I, I am. My, and my daughter is part of the problem. But I love her to death. Uh, I'm going to be excited about the state, you know, game. She had a great game last night. Uh, a couple big catches, a couple big hits to get on base. Uh, speed to get home. I mean, she got from home. Girl hit it to the outfield. She made it home from first base. Like, that's how fast she is. She was at first base. Girl hits Dang. to the outfield. She makes it home. Um, and so it, it, it's, I'm excited to see her in this state because that's when, you know, everybody's playing completely hard. They won at the end to 13 to 12 last night against one of the better teams in this state. Um, they beat them 13 to 12 last night, even though – it was kind of an ex exhibition, so everybody was a pitcher. But we're not going to go into softball. Because why? We have another guy that throws, probably throws a hard softball as well. Kyle Schloeder, former Vikings backup quarterback, beloved backup quarterback. I mean, I don't think there was a quarterback that fans love more than Kyle Schloeder. Like, I've never seen a backup quarterback with a fan base on Twitter and an army like Beyonce. But before we jump into that, we have a word from our sponsors. Thanks, Ron. BetOnline.net, your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest developments, team matchups, all the news, the lines from week four. Find out how much the Vikings are favored by in London. As always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all sports wagering info. MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and of course, the NFL and college football. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So up next in the Hangover with Ron Johnson segment, I'm excited about this one. This is Monday morning quarterback. We're going to try to do this whenever we can. Uh, and today's quarterback, and we'll see how he does. We might get him more. Today's quarterback is Kyle Sloter. Uh, I met Kyle Sloter back in 2019. Well, he was on the team before, but I met him formally in 2019. I got a text message randomly one day from uh, Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen's like, hey, man, what are, you, what are you up to? And I'm like, nothing. He's like, you should come out to Woodbury. And uh, we're throwing out there and, and grab Tyler Johnson. So I grab, I, I reach out to Tyler Johnson, grab Tyler Johnson. We go out to Woodbury. Rashad Bateman, I don't know where, I think he was back in Georgia maybe. Uh, but I grab him, we go out there, 
Uh, we, we do the ETS stuff at ETS and Tyler goes out there and throw it. And, and I ran a couple routes here and there, uh, you know, at tight end and gave him a couple looks and, and, and was talking to Thielen a little bit about some stuff and, and Tyler Johnson. Uh, but a guy out there I saw slinging it, Kyle Schloter. And I'm like, I had to, you know, I'm like, who is this guy? You know, looks tall, big, strong quarterback. After I find out who he is, get to cover him that season. Super fun knowing him and then covering him because the fans love this guy. And so, Kyle, I start off with this, man. Like, what is it about your personality or about the way you play that fans just gravitate to? Because everywhere you go, I, I look at Twitter and I seem to, you seem to find like a Beyonce type of Twitter following from the fans uh, wanting more Kyle Slaughter on the field. Well, you know, the uh, the most popular player on the team, they say, is the backup quarterback. So, <laughs> um, you know, I I really think just for myself, it's kind of, um, you know, I'm a passionate guy when I play. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that everybody can get behind, um, teammates, um, the fans watching. Uh, so it, it's, I think it's more so just the raw emotion that I have and the love of the game um, that's easy to see, um, you know, because obviously I'm out there just like any quarterback making my own mistakes and making some good throws here and there. But um, I think it's just the way that I try to approach the game and the love for the game. Um, I truly do love it. Uh, I feel like it's what I'm on this earth to do. Um, so I... Uh, I don't know. I, that's probably a good question, though. I, I would like to hear some answers from people as to why they they think that I'm a some sort of a fan favorite. I won't call myself that. <laughs> we'll have to get some fan takes from that after the after the show today. Um, when you when you think about, I mean, you went to Southern Miss, and so I got I got to bring this up. You went to Southern Miss. Uh, one of the most famous quarterbacks from Southern Miss, Brett Favre. Uh, his daughter played there as well. Did you, would you? You didn't play with his daughter, though, right? You weren't in school when she was in school. No. Was you, were you? Okay. No, um, so yeah, I've been I've been gone for a little bit now, I guess, because I transferred halfway through. So we probably missed each other by a good six, six ish, seven years or so. Got it. Yeah, you went to Northern Colorado, but when you look at Southern Miss and, and you see, you know, stuff pop up about Brett Favre, how like where do you, where do you put your mind to either like say like uh, like everybody knows it's wrong, or I'm just gonna stay out of this um, until everything comes yeah. out. Like where where do you fall on the Brett Favre camp? Yeah, you know, um, I think when you see drama as an NFL player and it's not involving you, you try to stay far away from it. So, like, for myself, like, I see other things happen, uh, you know, in the world and in our community. And if it's not involving me, I try not to, you know, say too much about it. Um, I've been around Brett a little bit. Um, he was there at Southern Miss. He still lives down there in Hattiesburg. Um, obviously not a, a great deal that he's got going on there right now. Um, it, it, it was, you try to, from my perspective, he was trying to do something good, but with the wrong resources and the wrong way of going about it. And I understand his daughter was involved. Um, there's probably... You know, it's, it's welfare money, so that's money that, you know, people are you know, counting on monthly. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's tough to say that that's ever right. Um, because I, I don't believe that it is. I think he's kind of been a, a tough spot, um, and did the wrong thing there. Um, but I, I don't know. I, he's, he's trying to do something nice for the, the community, for his daughter, for all that kind of stuff. You know, obviously there would be a huge, huge issue if 
we found out uh, Brett Favre was pocketing this money. And, um, you know, it, it it feels very wrong either way. There's no good way to look at it, um, to spin it. But, you know, it, it's something that I've tried to stay out of a little bit. I, I've really enjoyed the person that he is. Um, I think he's a, a God-fearing man. Um, I think he is – his heart is, when I've been around him, been in the right place. And I have – you know, I have a lot of respect for him, so I think he just messed up. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. I, this is one thing I look at. I'm like, nobody's perfect. Um, I, I think everybody has their own sins and demons they deal with. Um, and this is just, a, you know, one he has to deal with now and figure it out because at that moment he thought that that was okay. And uh, now he's having yeah. to deal with it. And there's so many different stories coming out. That's why I kind of done the same. I've I've, I've liked a couple of tweets here and there from, from ESPN guys. I know Ryan Clark, who's a friend of our show, been on the show. Um, you know, he's made yep. comments about it. He's from that area down south, um, you know, and so Louisiana, but, you know, still kind of uh, around that area. Yep. So he's he's made comments about it as well. Uh, so it, it, it's just tough uh, for everybody. But eventually, like, everybody has to come, you know, everybody has to tell the stories, has to come out, um, and then they have to deal with how they deal with it. I think he has the money to pay it back. So hopefully, you know, if that's sure. what he has to do, because Michael Vick had to pay money back to the NFL for his dog fighting. And, uh, you know, it, when you when you do a crime, you got to either pay yep. or do the time. So you you decide which one you want to yep. do. Um, but as we move on, talking about former quarterbacks as growing up, like for me, you know, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens, Keyshawn Johnson was my absolute favorite receiver uh, when I was in high school. Who are some of the quarterbacks that you really liked and emulated? Uh, growing up and then even once you you know kind of made it like who are some quarterbacks that yeah. you continue to uh watch and love yeah so from a very um from a very early point in my life and in my game probably doesn't reflect his quite as much but I'm an Atlanta kid <laughs> so okay. Michael Vick was God to me like I I wanted to be Michael Vick I wanted to be out there running around like that making plays uh, it seems like he flicks his wrists and it flies 80 yards. Um, I mean, to me, he was uh, one of the most fun guys ever to watch play the game of football. Um, you know, another guy that I grew up watching and really wanted to uh, take away the, the mental approach of the game uh, was Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, uh, you know, was always a guy that he wasn't, especially later in his career, he wasn't overly um, gifted uh, physically. Um, he did have like a, probably an above average arm, but he was extremely accurate and he was extremely smart. So he knew where to go with the football and he knew how to put it in the exact spot that it needed to be to get the extra yards after the catch or, you know, stop a receiver in a hole or um, manipulate a defense at the line of scrimmage with cadence and um, you know, all those little nuances that help guys like Aaron Rodgers be great where, you know, we talk about um, and I watched uh, the game last night, the Broncos and who was the uh, it was Broncos and the 49ers and Russell Wilson, um, you know, watching him, he took a play out of Aaron Rodgers playbook where he used a lot of cadence to draw guys off sides twice to then get a couple free plays and um, you know, it's just little things like that that can swing um, the game in your favor if you can get uh, outcomes like that and manipulate defenses in that way. So when I would watch uh, football growing up, that was always something that, you know, I was a little bit different. Like I, I thought of it in a way as like, 
you know, these guys are, um, they're not quite as gifted, as I said, as like a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, um, but they are outmaneuvering you. It's kind of like chess. They're playing chess out there and you're playing chess. So I always wanted to try to um, get to a place in my own mind and my own process pre-snap that I could do stuff like that uh, and, and kind of, you know, win the game in a different way. I think there's always a time and place where you have to put the ball in a certain spot and just make good throws. But I also think there's a time and place where, you know, using your mind is, is your most powerful weapon out there. Yeah, when you think about all the stops you've had, you know, you've been to Denver, Minnesota, uh, Las Vegas, Detroit. Um, what, what have you learned at each stop kind of, you know, from different cultures of, of locker rooms? Yeah, you know, so when I was, um, you know, when I was a really young guy, um, I, my first stop was Denver. Um, you know, your first few months, you learn how to be a pro within like going to OTAs and training camp and all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was around uh, a good group of guys that had just come off winning a Super Bowl uh, two years prior with Peyton Manning. So a lot of those same guys in the room watch guys like Demarius Thomas practice and, um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders watch those guys practice. And, you know, here are guys that are, you know, 9, 10, 11 year vets and they go out there and um, are running around every single day, not taking any reps off. And, and you really saw um, their their process and how to uh, approach the game, you know, when it's not Sunday, when it's, uh, you know, the, the dog days of training camp or, you know, the Wednesday through Sunday uh, or the Wednesday through Saturday, I should say where all the preparation goes into place uh, to put yourself in a position to be successful. Um, you know, then I had a stop in Minnesota. And I think one of the biggest things that I took away from being with Kirk and in that, uh, that quarterback room with a guy like Gary Kubiak and uh, Kevin Stefanski, um, you know, was really the footwork side of things. And I think that that's where uh, my passion and love for bettering my, my footwork um, kind of came into play because you realize how much it ties into your progressions, how um, if you take a five-step drop here and we just have like a, you know, whether it's a three-step plan, it's not going to work in that case. But if you take too deep of a drop for um, the, the routes being run, you're not going to play the game on time. You're always going to feel like you're behind. So listening to your feet is such an important thing. Um, then I go from there to Arizona. In Arizona, um, you know, it was it was unique in the sense that Cliff Kingsbury was coming from college. Um, Kyler Murray was a rookie at the time, and I had been put in a position where I was. Uh, Brett Hundley and I were the same age, and uh, two of the older we we're the oldest guys from a player standpoint in the room, and got to mentor uh, Kyler for a little bit. Um, and it was a, it was a cool experience. Like I got to um, be a part of the first, because you know you come from the college game, they just don't teach that stuff anymore. Like it's really just right. drop back throw. Like they're not teaching, um, you know. Like for instance, Kyler Murray, and I don't want to. He's obviously come a long ways, and he he prepares like a pro. Um, but at this point, this was his. Uh, I want to say I think it was his first game. So it was his first game. And I'm over there on the sideline, you know, going through the, the uh, tablet and all that kind of stuff, trying to help him in any way I can. And it was a third and long situation where the defense went to two man. 
So, you know, in my experience and having, you know, older guys tell me, you know, everybody knows in two men, you really want to find an outbreaker. They're trying to funnel you to their help, which is their, you know, the safeties. So they're going to hunker down inside. You're, you have a lot of leverage outside to throw the ball. So I told him, hey, this is where you're going to want to go is try to find an outbreaker. And so Kyler Murray comes off and this is after him winning the Heisman, being the number one pick in football. He's like, what's two man? And so, you know, didn't have an understanding of, you know, a little bit more of an intricate uh, defense in the NFL and being able to, you know, tell a guy, you know, mentor him through some of those growing pains and coming into the NFL. It kind of taught me to look at the game from a different way. And then you go to a place like Detroit later in the year with Matt Stafford, who is still the greatest football mind that I've been around. Um, his, his brain is special. He's got a very high football IQ um, and just a, a really, really special mind when it comes to the game and how he thinks about it. Um, so, you know, you learn little things everywhere you go and you try to take mm -hmm. those and apply it to your own game and, and get better in any way you can. And you play with Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. What makes Adam Thielen uh, so good? Like you see him still like old man out there this week and still getting it done 50th touchdown moved into fourth place in all time vikings history receptions for or receiving touchdowns uh what makes adam thielen so good so adam thielen is probably the best i've ever been around in terms of understanding uh a defender's body position um where he can even when as a defender, if you think you're in the right position, he will attack your leverage. He will manipulate you to the exact place that he wants you without you even really knowing that you're doing it. So like, you'll think that, okay, I've got inside leverage. He's stemming into me. I'm going to hold this inside leverage here. Well, that's really where he wants you. If he stems out and then you have to overplay it and come back to, you know, really it's, it's the depths of his routes that he gets to that he's able to, he decelerates almost better than anyone I've been around. And he gets in and out of cuts better than anyone I've been around. So it's not necessarily the speed to the point, it's the speed out of the point. So as he's coming to, say if we're running a 10 yard dig, he may not necessarily be the fastest in his stem to the 10 yards, but he's winning on the back end, which is really where receivers create separation. We talk all the time about, you know, to our young guys, you don't create separation in the beginning part of your route, your stem. You create it after the break. So however you need to get to that point within a reasonable time frame. So Adam and Stefan Diggs would always talk about, you know, running into that break at less than 100%. A lot of guys try to go into it, you know, um, as hard as they can, and it's too hard to slow down. So these guys are manipulating, like Adam was very good at, what we talked about, manipulating your body position, getting you exactly to where he wanted you, and then beating you out of the break and being quicker out of the break than anybody else. And then his ball skills are up there with the best. I mean, he, we've seen it time and time again where he's able to go up and over guys, make acrobatic catches. He's just, to me, he's all around exactly what you want. Football IQ is there. Um, he just, he gets it. And that's why he's so good. And he probably will be good for another couple of years because his game isn't predicated on speed. It's predicated on being a savvy, knowledgeable veteran that um, can get in and out of routes and catch the ball.
Yeah, and we're on with Kyle Schloter, former uh, Vikings backup quarterback fan favorite for those listening on the podcast. For those on the video, you can see his pretty face. But Kyle, when you think about, and last one before we jump into the Daily Three, when you think about Kirk Cousins, he is the most controversial, polarizing QB. I mean, Russell Wilson became polarizing as of late with all his antics, but Kirk Cousins, for yep. some reason, is either loved or he's hated. And almost by his head coaches at one point, you know, like he had Jay Gruden, which was a weird relationship. Then he had Mike Zimmer, which was a toxic relationship. And now you look at Kirk Cousins. I saw your 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 comment on Twitter. Um, somebody tried to say Kirk Cousins didn't make the right throw, but everybody that played football knows if you have a corner concept, you have one guy underneath in the flat or a receiver running a hitch. It's always some kind of corner flat concept. And then you always have a backside dig route or post. Somebody was like, oh, if he just waited, K.J. Osborne was open on the dig, but that's not the read, and you were pointing that out. One to two is corner route back down to the hitch or the flat, and then if that's not there, then you quickly get back to your third if you can or you tuck it and run. Um, yeah. Why is it, one, Kirk Cousins is making the right decisions, but why Why is Kirk Cousins so hated? Like, is he just an easy target, or is, like, what is it about Kirk Cousins from you being around him that that people are, it's, so, it's polarizing? Yeah, you know, he is, I'll, I'll say this, and just as somebody that's watched on TV, um, it's, you know, he has one of those, because um, in the locker room, he's he's such a good guy. He is somebody that cares about you. He asks about your family. He's a leader in the locker room. He's somebody that the, the players respect. Um, you know, on the field watching, I, I don't know what it is. Um, I think that he gets a bad rap really from, you know, the way that uh, he has, you know, that Jay Cutler kind of feel where you'd watch him play. And it was almost like his um, mannerisms or the way that he kind of like uh, looked out there on the field when the camera was yeah. on him. Like he, it, when I watched him yesterday, it looks like, um, I don't want to say the word flat, like as in no energy, because I know him. Like I know he's just locked in. That's how he plays the game. That's how he he is. That's how he looks. And then when he's, you know, in the locker room at halftime making adjustments, you know, he's telling guys, you know, good job. Let's keep going. Let's do this. Like I think people get it because I, I try to take myself out of knowing what I know about him and putting myself in a position of just watching and trying to see what other people are seeing. And I really think that it's just um, really the way that he his body language is a little bit. I think people mistake locked in for like something else. Maybe it looks a little bit lethargic. Maybe it looks a little bit, but it's it's really just him. Um, he's he's a hyper intense guy. Like that's just who he is. He's not a huge talker. Um, on the sideline, like right before we're about to go in or right after a sequence, he's just a guy that is locked in on his assignments, his tasks, his job. Um, I don't think that that's wrong. I don't think that, um, you know, he's, I think that originally when you pay somebody uh, the $84 million that his original contract was, <clears throat> and then you don't, because I was a part of the 2017 team before, the, before he got there and we almost won the Super Bowl. And, you know, I was a big Case Keenum guy. I learned a lot from him. I think that he was um, really good for me and my career, and I, I love the guy. Um, but, you know, as a, as a front office, they always thought that, you know, we did it with Case, not because of Case. And they were like, mm -hmm. you know, if we go out and get a guy that is a, uh, a bona fide, you know, top-end starter, 
then that's the missing piece to then win a Super Bowl. So he comes in with the highest, the biggest contract ever paid to a player in the NFL. And then he has uh, results that I think we went eight and eight or nine and eight and missed the playoffs in 2018. Um, so it, I think that, you know, from the results standpoint of, uh, you know, those first couple of seasons, I think that kind of, um, like we say, first impressions matter. And yep. so the, the first few seasons, it um, didn't go exactly the way that he envisioned it and that we envisioned it. Um, you know, but in the recent few years, he's gotten them to the playoffs. He's playing good football. I think at the end of the day, um, statistically, he looks he, he looks the part. Um, he He's able to lead your team in big moments like we saw yesterday. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to exactly say why he's so polarizing, um, but it's, I'll tell you this, it's going to be hard to replace him if you go and look elsewhere because he is a top 10 quarterback and they're hard to find. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, but so we're about to jump into the daily three before we do that. Do you want instant post-game reaction from the insiders that cover your favorite sports teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube following every Twins, Vikings, Wild, or Wolves game. Our Locked On team hosts are broadcasting with live, uh, sorry, broadcasting live with insiders. Um, never miss a podcast by subscribing to the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Well, it's time for the show where I love the most, the daily three. That's three questions. We're both going to take a minute and a half, so that's three minutes each. Take it away, Sam. <clears throat> okay, I want to know from Kyle. When you are practicing your craft, um, let's say it's you, maybe one receiver on the field. Let's say it's you and Ron. You and Ron are practicing. Um, what is the skill that you are spending the most time trying to perfect, Kyle, with uh, whether it's your, your mobility, your fitness, your arm? Uh, tell me about that process. Yeah, so I think something that I'm always trying to improve, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, is my footwork. I think that, you know, everything starts from the ground up. I think that if your base is off, I think that if you're throwing off balance all the time, it's going to be really hard to be accurate. Um, you know, I, I coach when I'm not playing. I'm Right now I'm working with a bunch of high school kids, a bunch of middle school kids, and one thing that I preach to them is, you know, we can't hit our uh, our – timing footwork or timing footwork throws if our feet aren't fast if they aren't fluid um if we're not transferring our weight um you know you look at guys like justin herbert um he's getting a, a crazy amount of torque from you know his his upper half is special but his lower half is even more special to where he's getting a lot of power from his waist and, and transferring from the ground and in his feet um, so I think that that's probably the skill that I work on the most. And then if I'm working with, you know, say Ron running routes or something like that, um, I think a lot of those timing routes like your uh, bang eights and your, your three routes, your out routes, um, your five-step plant footwork, basically the throws that, you know, all the coaches want to see when they come to the combine or they, you know, they go to your pro day. Um, you know, all those timing routes are important to perfect so that you can play on time with the rest of your progression and the rest of the play. Yeah, I'd say for me, it was the red zone. <laughs> like that's, I wanted to do fades, slants, like back shoulder. I spent numerous hours after practice, just like picking on DBs. I would have different DBs come out there and try to cover me. 
Um, cause I wanted to be to the point where it was clockwork. It was easy at six, three, 235 pounds. I'm like, this is where I'm going to get paid at. Um, and even when I got to the Baltimore Ravens, it was the same thing. Like I, I tried to spend as much time as possible working on red zone throws. And even when I went to tight end, it was the same thing. It was, Hey, let's work on some of these, these inside pop routes, these seam routes in the red zone, uh, all that stuff, the stutter and goals for the tight end in the red zone, every possible red zone route. That's where I wanted to get the most work in because I felt like in the open field, um, it was going to take care of itself. But also, especially in the NFL, I knew like Brandon Stokely, Travis, T I knew I knew there were going to be other guys, Musa Muhammad, like there were going to be other David Terrell. There are going to be other guys that, you know, Rex Grossman or Kyle Redman or uh, Kurt Chris Redman, Kyle Bowler that they were going to look for. But I knew in the red zone, I'm like, that's anybody's game down there. So I was like, let me let me work on where I know I'm going to be in the most. All right, question number two. Kyle, take me through how you prefer to watch football when you're not playing football. So it's a Sunday. You've got the whole day wide open. Uh, is it NFL Red Zone? Is, are you locking into one game? Are you just following along online? Uh, what does your Sunday look like? So these days I feel like I'm drinking through a, a fire hose when I'm watching NFL football. So I, uh, I'm not a big, so I come over to watch the game with my dad yesterday and, uh, he's a guy that loves to watch red zone. And for me, I feel like you're not really watching any game. Like it's, I, I want to see, I don't just want to see the big plays and the scoring plays. Like as a quarterback, I'm kind of, I, I watch the game from a different perspective. So you know, I sit there and I'm, I, it'll take forever to watch a football game with me if you sit down and watch one with me because I like to pause it. I like to see what the defense is giving me, you know, from the camera angle. It, it's always tough to see, you know, where the, some of the safeties are. They don't always get that deep back there, the camera angle. But um, I like to see everything from like a quarterback standpoint, like what kind of front uh, is the defense running? Um, what kind of pressures could they bring in this instance? Uh, what's good versus it? Um, you know, so I'm more of a guy that I like to sit and watch one game, but now that I have NFL Sunday ticket, I feel like I'm bouncing around too much. And I feel like I, you know, when you bounce between four games, you don't really see any of them. So I like to watch one at a time, really. Mm -hmm. Well, man, for me, well, I'm at the games. So, I mean, Sam, we're sitting there watching it. Uh, it is cool <laughs> though, like in the stadium, and I don't know if you've been up there, Kyle, in the media uh, deal where the food is because I know like practice squad guys come up there and guys that are hurt come up there and eat yeah. at halftime. Uh, so all those TVs, I don't know, Sam, what is it, 20 TVs on the wall maybe? Give or take? Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I, I do actually enjoy that sometimes, like going over there and standing like during timeouts and, and when there's a break before the game um, or during a the game, there's a little break like because you can watch like four different games at the same time. But it is, I don't know if I could sit there all day and do it because it would, I would feel like a cat trying to follow a laser beam. Like it would just, it's, it's a lot going on. Like you're trying to see every moment of every game. You're trying to keep up with this game and that game. But that, that part is fun. But I, I'd say live, like for me right now, uh, being there live, uh, the one advantage of being at home. So when the Vikings are on the road, like this Sunday, uh, which is going to be super early. So uh, definitely going to have breakfast during the game. But, uh, being able to rewind, I'm, I'm with Kyle. Like, I like to rewind, watch a play over, watch a, you know, what, what happened on this scheme? You know, what, what did this defense do on this blitz? Like, what, did, what route combo was that? And going back and watching, like, why did Irv Smith, you know, why did he come open or why wasn't he open? Like, I love the rewind function. That's why I wish 
Uh, I was actually talking to the Vikings about that, finding a TV uh, in the deal. Because with Fox, it's just on a feed, if we can get one where I can rewind it during games. Because I love to go back. Because um, even though, like, we can go down to the Fox booth, uh, they're only going to give us what they're rewinding. So it's kind of tough to watch a bunch of what I want to see. But that's the, way I, that's the way I like to do it. For sure. Uh, last question. Um, I want to know, Kyle, in all your travels, who is a player or coach that you feel is underrated uh, in the media or in the league? Okay, so this – I've got a few of them, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I think the first one, and this is going to hit ho ho hit close to home uh, with you all having played them yesterday, is Amon Ross St. Brown. I think that he is a budding star. Um, you know, I watch him play, and he, you know, they said it on the broadcast yesterday, he's just a pit bull. He's a guy that he's, he's an undersized receiver that will um, insert through the line of scrimmage and get to a second-level defender, whether that be a linebacker that he's responsible for, but more times than not, a safety. Um, so inserting for a safety, uh, which, you know, a lot of guys, big guys, are not willing to do. So he's willing to stick his neck in there. And then he's also making plays on the outside. Um, a guy that appears like he understands the game from a, a, a standpoint of where a quarterback would want you to be. He's running routes at the correct, correct depth. He's getting open, creating space. He's a guy you can count on. Um, so I think he's going to be a star in the league. Another guy um, who is uh, underrated, in my opinion, is Zay Jones. Uh, had a little bit of time with him in Vegas and then had some time with him in Jacksonville. Just one of the, the most intelligent players I've ever been around. And right now he's uh, he's doing some good things in Jacksonville. And then the last guy, coach-wise, don't know anything about him. Um, just watching him, he makes me want to run through a brick wall as Dan Campbell. So I, uh, I know this is a, a, a Vikings-based show, but um, I like what they got going on in Detroit. I think Dan Campbell is a... Uh, I think he's a, a good coach, and I think his players personify what he is all about. So I, I really like him. This is the Ron Johnson show. We're not Vikings based. We just talk about the Vikings. Ron Johnson. We know the no, fans. No right but I got an audible for you. I got an audible because this is a football show. Wait, what? What? Okay. Okay. Omaha. Quick audible. We're not going to talk about that anymore. I got one more for you. One minute drill. Kyle just announced the NFL is replacing the Pro Bowl with a multi-day skills competition and flag football game in Las Vegas to be played Sunday before the Super Bowl. Kyle, what do you think about that? Well, I, I, I think you probably feel the same way as me on this. Um, you know, as football players, we're – you know, I don't want another chance to go out there and get hurt. I don't want another chance to go out there, you know, especially if it doesn't mean anything. If we're going to go play the game, it's got to it's got to count for something. It's got to mean something. And, uh, you know, the Pro Bowl, the way it's being played right now. And I totally understand, like, if we're not going to go out there and play hard, which I wouldn't either, because, you know, I have a family at home and I'm trying to do, you know, the best I can in terms of uh, the longevity of my career. So um, I'm a fan of the to be a, a good changeup for them because nobody wants to watch bad football and guys just running free and it it kind of started to be a little bit of a joke at the end so at least now we can make it a joke we can make it fun we can make it um it, it'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out i think we'll get some guys you know running around and trying out there probably a little bit harder than they were if it was full contact so i'm a fan of it 
Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, I just saw that message from Adam Schefter. So if Adam Schefter tweets it, it's usually real. Uh, by the way, I broke news before Adam Schefter that Frank Ragnow was going to play Maddie Ragnow. His sister told me a Lifetime Fitness, Sam. So I remember you guys were wondering, mm -hmm. uh, was my was my yep. intel right? It was right. Frank was playing. Uh, so his sister is our insider. Um, so she was able to give us some info. And so, yep, so Frank ended up playing. Um, but I, I agree with you and Kyle on that. Like, the Pro Bowl got really stupid. Like, the last Pro Bowl I think was good was uh, – had to be back when Sean Taylor played when he absolutely decapitated a punter. Um, and I think at that point they were like, whoa, 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 we got to change this up. So special teams at that point got dumb. They stopped doing special teams. It was kind of like a, you know, walk through special teams. And then eventually it's like, all right, don't touch the quarterbacks anymore. And then it was like, okay, we're not going to take the guys to the ground anymore. And, yeah, it, like when Mac Jones can run a 60-yard touchdown and gritty, then you know it's time to turn it and pivot. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think flag football, you're exactly right. Flag football is going to give offensive linemen a chance to catch some balls. Uh, you're going to get guys running around. Guys can run around and not get hurt because that's what they do all day anyway. Um, and then the skills competition, adding more skills. Like I used to love watching Peyton Manning go against like Aaron Rodgers and, and Brett Favre, kind of with that weird uh, transition yeah. when Peyton and Brett uh, were there. And then all of a sudden, then Brett left and then Aaron Rodgers became a pro bowler. Like it was, it was a weird transition, but it was fun to see those guys competing. And then you get the Michael Vicks in there. Uh, you get the receiver challenges. You get the running back challenges. You're probably going to have some kind of strong man challenge with the offensive and defensive line and linebackers. Uh, I, I miss, I mean, the dodgeball is always fun. Uh, I remember they used to do a golf type thing. It was like a multi 10 sport thing where they did like golf, uh, football, tennis, like all of that. I, I hope they bring all that back because that's more fun to watch on ESPN than just watching a bunch of guys run around and, and touching each other with full pads on. Like that's put the flag on, let the guys get, get crazy and fly around. Uh, I, I think that'll be a lot more fun. Like I'll, I'll go play some flag football. Um, and so I think you're going to get all the superstars back, and that's what the fans have been missing. That's what TV's been missing. Ratings were down. But there you have it. But that'll do it for the Ron Johnson Show today. I want to thank Kyle Schloeder, fan favorite, for joining us, Sam, for working as the producer, and then also Matt DeBritz back there working the keys. Uh, please continue to download, subscribe, like, comment, share. Let us know what you think. Who's underrated? Is Kyle Slaughter right? Is Dan Campbell one of the most underrated? Mine would have been Leslie Frazier. I think Leslie Frazier is an underrated co coach. He should be a head coach soon. The Buffalo Bills look good up until they met another team that could beat them. But other than that, the, the, the Buffalo Bills still look good to me. I think he should be a coach. And remember, Locked On Sports Minnesota gives you endless Vikings talk with local experts. Get our daily 30-minute dose of sports with Care 11 Sports Director Reggie Wilson going back and forth with his co-host Luke Emmon. It's fast. It's fun. It's superior sports talk. Uh, your, your daily Minnesota sports show. Find it by subscribing to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. And remember, you can watch us on YouTube or you can download wherever you find your podcast. We're on Amazon Prime. We're on Roku. And there is an app. Thank you and have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.